Our guest is Colonel Cedric Layton, founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. Colonel Layton founded the company in 2010, but prior, for 26 years, he served in the U.S. Air Force. He's been an intelligence officer and attained the rank of colonel. He's held assignments all around the world at every level of command, including tactical deployed units, the U.S. Special Ops Command, national agencies, as well as the joint staff in the Pentagon, and most recently, our friend and very proud of him, Colonel Layton acquired his new position as a military analyst for CNN. More than a pleasure to have back with us. I think the first time in the new year. Happy belated new year, Colonel. Colonel Cedric Layton. Good afternoon, sir. Well, well, happy belated new year to you too, Leslie. Thank you so much. You know, the idea of carpet bombing definitely comes up a lot in that term and those phrases, uh, you know, type types of phrases from, uh, you know, political wannabes, right? You know, people that want to be president. And we definitely hear that. I think, you know, I know more on the right than we do on the left. Um, I want to get the response to uh, by Army Lieutenant General Sean McFarlane, who directs the coalition fighting ISIS in Iraq uh, in, in Syria, a U.S., a top U.S. commander for the fight against ISIS and what his idea of carpet bombing ISIS, that terrorist group is. And then we'll uh, get your take on that as well. Does that sound good, Colonel? Sounds perfect, Leslie. Okay, here's Lieutenant General Sean McFarlane regarding carpet bombing. We are bound by the laws of armed conflict. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't only matter whether or not you win, it matters how you win. And we're the United States of America, and, you know, we have a set of uh, guiding principles, and those affect the way we, as professional soldiers, airmen, sailors, marines, conduct ourselves on the battlefield. Um, so indiscriminate bombing, where we don't care if we're uh, killing uh, innocents or combatants, is just inconsistent with our values. And uh, it's what the Russians have been accused of doing in parts of northwest Syria. Uh, right now, we have the moral gr- high ground, and I think that's where we need to stay. Colonel, I would imagine that you uh, concur with the Lieutenant General's um, remarks and opinions 100%. Am I correct in that? You absolutely are. Uh, General McFarland is spot on. Uh, we have rules of warfare that are critical uh, to uh, for us to follow. Uh, there are international agreements that also pertain to this, and uh, we do not... Uh, do carpet bombing because of the technologies that have evolved over the years. We used to do it, uh, but we have found it to be very ineffective. And the basic idea is that this is, uh, you know, such an issue uh, that requires a lot of deliberate thought. It is not barroom talk uh, that uh, that is required here of our presidential candidates. Explain to folks listening, Colonel, who may not understand except for the term what really carpet bombing means. Sure. Well, back in World War II, what uh, we did was, uh, we did it as recently as Vietnam, uh, was basically you would take an area and just saturate it with, uh, with bombs. In other words, you would fly your aircraft over the area. You'd have a, basically a square or a rectangle that you would work in. And within that area, you would destroy everything, regardless of whether it was uh, you know, a military installation or a civilian installation of any type. Uh, since that time, 
uh, we have changed not only the rules of warfare, uh, but we've also changed the technologies that apply to that. So whenever anybody talks about carpet bombing, uh, what they are talking about is uh, what we did back in World War II. Unless they define the term differently from its historical meaning, uh, they're talking about indiscriminate bombing of a certain area so that it basically all life within it, all movement within it is either destroyed or interdicted. Uh, and uh, that is, in essence, how uh, carpet bombing uh, evolved in, in terms of uh, the terminology and the way in which we, we use that. Today, we don't do that. Uh, we have very precise uh, weaponry. Uh, if, uh, for example, you know, Senator Cruz uh, thinks that uh, uh, carpet bombing is what we did in Desert Storm, that's actually technically not correct. Uh, we use precision-guided munitions first in Desert Storm, then in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, yes, the bombing was intensive. It was a lot of bombing. There were a lot of sorties that were flown against the targets, uh, but they are not the same. Uh, it's not the same type of technique uh, that was used in those two conflicts as was used in World War II or more recently in Vietnam. When we look at what is being done now so that people understand from the air and, and with regard to bombing ISIS uh, in their, you know, caliphate, if you will, there in Syria, um, there are specific targets and there are great pains uh, that, that are taken um, not to harm innocent civilians, correct? And, and tell us why that is in addition to the humanity and the laws, Colonel. Well, that, that's exactly right, Leslie. So what we have, you have a process, and uh, basically there are two things. There's a targeting list that uh, the Air Force or the Air Component develops, and that basically lists the targets that we can go after. So if you have an Air Force entity like an Air Force squadron, uh, that is set up to uh, fly aircraft against a, a certain target, they're given a list, and that list has on that list on, uh, on it the kinds of things that they can go after, and not only the kinds of things, but there will be specific targets, and they will be specific by coordinates, by geographic coordinates. Uh, just oh, like well, Colonel, hold that thought. Hold that thought, because I want, I want you to finish that, and I wanted to ask you something on the heels of that. Colonel Cedric Layton is our guest. Pick up the phone and join him if you have a question. He agrees with the Lieutenant General regarding carpet bombing, that it's inhumane, it's illegal, we're better than that, we don't do that, and it isn't going to help us in the long run. We'll find out more why we want to hear from you. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back, and it is more than a pleasure to have back someone we like very much personally and professionally just has an incredible amount of experience and expertise uh, in the area of the military war ISIS. Colonel Cedric Layton, who I shared with you, is founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates and was with the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer. He held assignments worldwide, including tactical deployed units, U.S. Special Ops Command national agencies, as well as the Joint Staff in the Pentagon. He is a military analyst for CNN. Colonel, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Sorry to have interrupted. You were talking to us about why it's important that we have specific targets and in addition to laws and humanity uh, don't uh, and, and make uh, and take great pains not to kill innocent uh, civilians, innocent men, women and children. Exactly, Leslie. It's uh, you know, in the, the big thing here is 
as uh, you know, General McFarland mentioned, it's, it's one of those things where you really have to stand on the moral high ground. So we have a big process that's in place within uh, the Air Force and within all the air components, and that process is basically designed uh, to make sure that all the targets are properly vetted. And the way you do that is you make sure that you don't kill innocent civilians, that you minimize what is euphemistically and unfortunately called collateral damage, uh, which means you protect the innocents and you make sure that the facilities that they would use, such as schools, hospitals, uh, churches, mosques, all of those are kept as safe as they possibly can be. So those are the kinds of things. And that fact that we do that gives us the moral high ground when we deal with people on the world stage, whether they are enemies like ISIS or whether they are allies like the many of the Arab nations that are involved in the fight against ISIS. Uh, so it becomes really, really important to hold our to the highest standard when it comes to this kind of uh, activity, when it comes to bombing and when it comes to war fighting in general. I would imagine also, as you and I have discussed uh, on this issue, uh, Colonel, and uh, surrounding this issue, that we help ISIS in their efforts. We help them uh, with uh, their ranks if people perceive us as not just being uh, occupiers, but murderers from the, from the air, right? Absolutely. And that's in this era of 24-7 news coverage. Uh, you have to make sure that the picture that comes out, as well as uh, the reporting in general that comes out of a war zone, reflects as much as you can what's going on. You know that the other side is going to put their spin on things. But the most important thing is that what we do in terms of actual conduct uh, does nothing to bring new recruits to a cause like ISIS's cause. And that's very, very hard to do. We could be the most uh, just war fighters in the history of, of the world, uh, but they will have their worldview. We obviously have ours. Uh, but there are so many things that we we have to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of actually increasing the number of recruits that a group like ISIS or al-Qaeda or any of the other groups uh, that oppose us would have. So that's, that's really what's essential here is uh, we, we want to minimize the recruiting that they can do, and we also want to make sure that what we do is as targeted as it possibly is because we want to get at the real bad people. Uh, we don't want to hurt uh, the people that just happen to be living there. And although um, a general, Lieutenant General McFarland, uh, you know, said indiscriminate bombing, bombing where we don't care if we are killing innocent or combatant, combatants is just inconsistent with our values, and I agree, and he didn't mention any political candidates by name, there is one, Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, while campaigning on the trail, has called for employing carpet bombing as a practice against ISIS, correct? That's correct. He has specifically mentioned that the term carpet bombing in his campaign rhetoric. And Donald Trump has also come fairly close to it by, uh, by talking about uh, bombing ISIS back into oblivion or, or words that are similar to that. Uh, and those are you know, great sound bites on a campaign trail, especially when you're firing up the base. The problem that you have is if you become commander-in-chief when you do something like this, when you say things like this, the world will expect certain standards from the United States. They will expect higher standards from us. Uh, you just have to look at what the Russians are doing right now in Syria with their uh, air base in Syria and their air activity in that country, and you know 
uh, just analyzing this, that uh, the Russians do not uh, take the care that we take when it comes to minimizing civilian casualties. Uh, there are a lot of reports on both sides of the uh, Syrian civil war and all sides, I guess I should say, of the Syrian civil war that indicate that Russian attacks are pretty much indiscriminate in many areas. And that's the kind of uh, press that you really want to avoid when it comes to to this. So there are two candidates that are basically uh, saying things that if they acted the way that they talk, uh, would get them into a lot of trouble, not only with the world community, but also from a legal standpoint. We have an email from MK who says, Colonel, a question. Isn't the problem that it is our own elite that is creating these wars all over the world? Most of the refugees or migrants come from Iraq, Libya, Syria, Ukraine, who mostly flee to Russia. Back in the day during WW1, T.E. Lawrence used the Arab Revolt to attack Turkey, which was allied with Germany. The same thing is happening today. Notice the Arab horsemen moving north through the Tigris and Euphrates River valleys north to, the, to, to Turkey. And, and then he, so he talks about David Lean as Lawrence, his M16 uniform under his Arab robes, etc. Any comment? Well, I tell you, you know, there are certain things where you have to say what's old is new again. And, uh, you know, there are there are some aspects that are very eerily similar to what's going on right now. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, whether the elites of the world are causing these conditions or whether there are other factors involved, I think it, it requires a broader discussion. But uh, I'll say this much. There, there is a combination of some of the things that happened as a result of World War One or as part of World War One, such as the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which set sets the borders that we uh, currently recognize between Iraq and Syria and uh, Lebanon and some other places, uh, and the fact that there also are situations that were locally created, such as the Assad regime and before it in Iraq, the Saddam Hussein's regime, uh, that also created some major dislocations within the local population. So uh, there is a lot of blame to go around for the misery that uh, the people in Syria, people in Iraq are suffering. And it's very difficult, obviously, to solve those problems. Uh, but we have to make every effort to do that, because if those problems remain unsolved, then we have a, this continued cauldron, this unending cauldron of, of strife. And uh, unfortunately, that's what the Middle East has become known for. Yeah. When, and when the, I'll get back to the politicians. But, you know, like the general said, we are the United States of America. And one of the things he said, and I want you to speak to this, Colonel, it doesn't only matter if you win, it matters how you win. And and this is a big deal with ISIS, because I think we know, and Colonel, you know, the United States can take out ISIS. That's not a question, and certainly a worldwide alliance. It is what is left behind in Syria, because ISIS isn't the only problem in Syria. And that's how do we just right. and, and and then, of course, the radicalization that's coming outside the borders of Syria and ISIS members outside of Syria, Iraq, Yemen, other areas. Um, could you speak to that? Not just if we win, but how? Absolutely, because how we win matters. And, you know, the general is absolutely right when he talks about this, because the method in which you go to war, the way in which you employ your forces, uh, is, is critical to securing the peace. And I think there's no better example of that in history, in recent history, uh, than what we did in, in World War II. When you look at uh, the way in which the U.S. and its allies fought the war, and you compare that to, for example, the, the Nazi Germans or the Japanese, very different ways of operating, uh, a much more uh, 
law-centered uh, humanitarian approach uh, to the conflict. Certainly not perfect, but definitely an effort to make as much uh, headway into creating a more just world. And that's that's really one of the reasons a lot of people join the U.S. military is because they believe that they want to be a part of creating a more just world. And that you know that may sound idealistic, but that is one of the main reasons that people actually do go in uh, to our armed forces. It is not a reason that many people go into other nations' armed forces. And uh, therein lies really the disconnect, I believe, between our attitudes toward conflict and toward war and other people's attitudes to that. And that's where it becomes really, really important for us to always maintain that moral high ground. There is so much benefit, uh, some of it intangible, but then some of it becomes tangible as we move into uh, the peace process and what comes after. And that's where if you fight in a way uh, that is as morally correct as you possibly can be, it becomes a much more different issue when you can finally secure the peace. And on top of it, Russians have been accused of indiscriminate bombing, killing larger uh, numbers of civ- or large numbers of civilians in Syria, especially in the northwest. Uh, we, we, we can't be following Putin's lead by, you know, ever. <laughs> No, absolutely not. And that's, and that's one of the big, uh, big issues here. Putin, uh, as an example, does not really care about uh, indiscriminate bombing or the results that happen because of indiscriminate bombing. To him, that's collateral damage is acceptable. Uh, to us, uh, you know, we'd have congressional hearings, legal inquests, court martials, all kinds of things if uh, a commander was caught deliberately uh, engaged in indiscriminate warfare of any type, bombing or otherwise. And that's that's where there's a huge difference. And people around the world, especially those that uh, that do pay attention to this and aren't uh, subjected to propaganda as others, uh, they realize the difference. They understand that distinction. And that becomes a, a, a really significant factor in our ability to not only have the moral high ground and hold that moral high ground, but also our ability to help shape the world in a manner uh, that makes sense for the security of the United States and its partners. And and that's why it's it's a really, really critical area uh, for us to be very different from other countries. Um, I want to, uh, before we move on to Afghanistan, which I want to talk about, anything else that you want to say with regard to ISIS or, or Syria or carpet bombing? Well, as we, you know, look at what's happening in Syria, you know, we're not right now in the United States, at least we're focused on the results of the Iowa caucus and the press's attention is not really focused on on what's going on in the Middle East, especially in Syria. But uh, the peace process is starting in Syria and uh, it uh, will be very critical to see how far that goes. There's a lot of uh, trouble, you know, not only uh, with what uh, the various parties are doing, but specifically within the ranks of the Syrian rebels. And that peace process could very easily uh, become unraveled if uh, the diplomats aren't careful. And uh, one of the big things there is that the military has to be ready uh, to help shape the environment so that a peace process can actually occur. And that sounds uh, very complex to do, and it is, uh, but it it, uh, means that the military has to be ready to uh, work in a way that uh, promotes the peace process and not cause indiscriminate suffering in uh, that uh, part of the world that has seen so much of that. Let's talk about Afghanistan. Uh, The top American commander in Afghanistan 
is uh, facing lawmakers who are very skeptical, and these lawmakers are skeptical because they have concerns that worsening security conditions demand a greater number of U.S. forces to ensure the gains that the United States has made in Afghanistan, which continues to be a very war-torn country, uh, and that we have made gains starting back in 2001 to present, and they don't want those gains to be lost. Do you agree with the need for a greater number of U.S. forces in Afghanistan, Colonel? Well, I think we, we need to do two things there, Leslie. One of them is uh, we need to make sure that we don't telegraph exactly what our troop levels are going to be. And that's really hard to do, given our system of government and the checks and balances you know, that are set up between Congress and the executive branch. The other part of that, though, also is that we need to make sure we understand what Afghanistan should look like, in our view, uh, going forward. And you know, generally speaking, we say uh, we want a strong central government in Kabul, and that government should control and be able to pacify the rest of the country. Uh, That sounds great on paper. The problem with that is it is not happening. If you look at uh, what is or who is in control of Afghanistan at night, uh, it becomes a very different picture and a very dangerous picture. And what it tells me is that uh, we we basically are the fork in the road. We either make the decision to leave Afghanistan completely right now, or uh, we make sure that the central government or a a government that is acceptable to us has enough control so that Afghanistan does not become uh, the breeding ground for another uh, terrorist activity like al-Qaeda was in the run-up to 9-11. So that uh, that is really the dichotomy, and it's a terrible dichotomy that we face here, but that is the dichotomy that uh, that we're staring at right now. And it becomes very difficult uh, to set troop levels when we really don't have the the strategy developed that will confront what is happening with the insurgency in Afghanistan. And really, I should say the insurgencies because there are plural insurgencies going on there right now. We have less than a minute left, uh, Colonel. Uh, last remarks regarding uh, Afghanistan and what's taking place there in our continued fight with Taliban. Leslie, it's a very, very dangerous situation. Obviously, there have been a lot of sacrifices made by America and its coalition partners in Afghanistan. The hope in the wake of 9-11 was that we would eliminate that as a breeding ground of terrorism. Uh, The problem that we have is this country is riddled with corruption. It is riddled with a government that is not a government of by and for the people. It is a government of by and for uh, the power brokers. And that is really the problem that we have, and it's going to be absolutely the hardest thing that we ever do to get rid of those power brokers, because when we do that, they'll create a vacuum, and that will then uh, bring other terrorist groups, and even ones that we used to know, like al-Qaeda, back in there. And that's what we want to avoid. So it's a very difficult challenge, and it cannot be solved by reducing the troop levels at this time, unfortunately. I'd, I'd very much like to go uh, go away, go out of Afghanistan as, as uh, quickly as possible, but I don't see that as a realistic option at the moment. Well, thank you, Colonel. I've caught you on CNN cheating on Fox, uh, me. <laughs> uh, and uh, But I, I will tune in wherever you are. Uh, thank you for joining us, Colonel. Good to speak with you, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Colonel. Um, Colonel, Colonel Cedric Layton, military analyst for CNN. He is president of Cedric Layton Associates. Please go to his website, CedricLayton.com, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Cedric Layton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. 
how to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.